I want to go to Ephesians 4 today, continuing to use the contemporary English version, which is a paraphrase. And so for detailed study, it's probably not the best, but it'll give you a, a clear awareness of what the scripture is saying. I want to talk about living new and just um, acknowledge that Paul's writing to the community. And so he's writing to believers when he makes these statements. And uh, just in the 15th verse, it says, and 16, it says, Christ holds it together and makes all the parts work perfectly as it grows and becomes strong because of love. He's talking about the church. And just saying, God has this overriding um, connector, so to speak, that pulls our lives together and causes us to function together, but moves us into health as, as we're together. Then he begins to go back kind of into more of a personalized approach, and he'll later address this uh, group thing, but... Uh, what I'd like to do is, is start with the 17th verse and read, As a follower of the Lord, I order you to stop living like stupid, godless people. We're not used to speech like that very regular, are we? Um, we're not used to looking at those who don't know Christ as living in darkness quite that way. We just... We choose not to define things that carefully. But when I read this, I can't ignore it. And I have to go back and say, how often do I truly view people as being in darkness and ignorant? Or there are times when I truly admire what's going on in their lives, even though I know it's profane. He says, they're stubborn and ignorant, missed out on life that comes from God, no longer have feelings about what is right, so greedy to do all kinds of indecent things. Um, I remember as a, as a high school kid, uh, wasn't the best athlete, but I remember admiring the, those who were the best in our school. And after you graduate and you come back in the summer times, I remember going back and, and seeing a number of these guys that were my heroes of the day who never went any further with it. You know, and so after the first year, they're just kind of spinning and you're kind of, huh, that surprises me a little, but I know they'll get it together because they're, they're incredible. And the second year comes around and they're still spinning their wheels and you know, and they're still, you know, in the bar they can get a free drink because, you know, talking about the good old days. And, you know, four or five years into that, you're kind of going, my goodness, what happened? And then you, you know, you can move on. And in college, you end up knowing some athletes that, you know, got to the next level. And you end up seeing a similar thing. And if the stories are true in the press, you see the same level at professional things. 
where there's this window of brilliance, so to speak, but it doesn't last very long. And uh, you know, I, I've only known a couple professional athletes, but at the same time, I, I'm aware of that culture. And, and so you're going, there is more to life than being able to shoot a puck better than anyone else or... You know, there's just, it, it doesn't really kind of get you over the hump to just full peace and joy of life, right? And, and you, you move on and you, and you go, okay, well, you know, our, our society adores movie stars and actors and actresses, and, and yet you, you regularly see tabloids of their lives falling apart, and things not working, and you're kind of going, well, maybe that's not quite the key either. I'm not sure I'm quite ready in most moments to look and say dark and ignorant and stubborn and stupid. But there is a measure of truth connected to that. One of the... uh, one of the kids out of my former youth group is an actor. Um, he was a tremendous athlete in high school, school quarterback, and went out to L.A., actually had a movie that he was the star. But uh, every picture I see of him is drunk or wasted, and, you know, 10 years into this, it's beginning to show. And you're kind of going, boy, I hope he gets it together. You know, he had all this promise, but it's really not going anywhere. And and we can walk through that. At at times, we admire the wealthy. Um, Now, there are people at every strat of society, right? So there are some Christians that are fabulously wealthy. Some aren't, or so I've heard. (laughs) Um, You only have to be around the wealthy a, a short time to realize that is not the key to health and well-being. And, uh, you know, you can, their families come apart as easily as any other. And there are times when there are wealthy that are truly a mess. And the greed that consumes that or getting to that place oftentimes destroys everyone around them. And you're kind of going okay, that's probably not the key to peace and well-being. I just want a little more than what I have. (laughs) Ultimately, we have to come back and say, I can learn to be content in any situation. That's what God would call me to. But there's a darkness that chases such things, and it never is quite satisfied. I mean... Drugs and alcohol for a short window seem like a great thing. Allow you to forget what's going on, allow you an instant pleasure, and yet uh, it it doesn't, it just doesn't work long term. Even, (laughs) Even chasing multiple lovers. You know, for a while that can appear like, man, that person just, they score all the time. And then after a while, you just begin to go, this doesn't really work for their lives. 
We have several <laughs> in our extended family that have, uh, well, I'm thinking of a couple that have been through at least four marriages. You lose track after a while, and it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, but we've been watching long enough that we can go, this didn't really pay off in the long run. And quite honestly, I've had a much more fulfilled life and continue in a, a healthier setting than what in the moment appear like, oh, off and running and seemingly no consequence except that now it just isn't working. And, and you kind of go, okay, that seems to be something of a dead end as well. So when we read this, stop living like stupid, godless people whose minds are dark, stubborn, and ignorant, missed out on a life that comes from God, there is a truth to that if we're willing to embrace it. You know, it, it, as you get older, it, sometimes it's even power, you know, the right to tell others what to do. It, it doesn't satisfy and it doesn't fulfill, and it doesn't bring us into the fullness of life that God's got destined for us. But we have to be willing to declare, no, there's a darkness to that that will not satisfy and will not fulfill and will not achieve what is dreamed in the immediate. And so when we read a, another translation like this, and even though it shocks us, it really is a valuable read. Because that's the contrast that's offered in regard to our lives. It says, but that isn't what you were taught about Jesus Christ. He is the truth. You heard about him and learned about him. In other words, what he has to offer leads you into a wholeness of life that was ordained from the beginning of time and is attached to the Father and Creator of all things who understands order and structure of life and how everything works. And so when he says this is the best way, there is no questioning in it because it's his design. And so what we are trying to do as we step into Christ and walk with him, we're attempting to move our lives to be like his and to understand his ways because he truly does open up light and life to us. And so even though we've been confused and there's a darkness about us, there's an opportunity for a transition into well-being. What astounds me is that even at this point in life, daily there are things that God's bringing to mind and opening up and saying, I will lead you into light if you'll listen. And I'm going, I don't like what this looks like in the immediate. But more and more there's this trust that says, if he's declaring it, it must be good. And if I'll respond to that, then I can move into a greater health. It says, you were told that your foolish desires will destroy you, and you must give up the old way of life and all its bad habits. Let the Spirit change your way of thinking and make you into a new person. You were created to be like God, and so you must please Him and be truly holy. And so what he's declaring is, your life moves toward Him. It isn't just a turning on the light and just Him orchestrating everything around you so that it works. 
but there is a transition that takes place as His Spirit dwells in our hearts and as His voice speaks into our lives and as we respond to that, that we move to be like Him. And that's what holiness is about And that, you know, it's a spiritual term, but it's, you know, becoming like God. To take on His character and His nature. And to turn away from the things that have been destructive about us. Now, before we enter this next slide, realize he's talking to church people, okay? We're part of the same body. Well, that makes sense. So stop lying. Start telling each other the truth. He's suggesting that even in our midst, there might be some lying. Or in, in, in that church. <laughs> I like to... Lying was spanked out of me fairly early on, at least straight out. Shading things, you know, that's what I like to call it. I don't like to call it lying. And yet, when I read something like this, I have to keep coming back to it and just saying, okay, am I allowing false perceptions to exist or am I really declaring what is? And so even as a part of the body of Christ. At times, we wrestle with these issues. Tell each other the truth. Don't get so angry that you sin. Don't go to bed angry and give the devil a chance. I'm a slower processor than my wife. She can quick fire. And it's just different temperaments. Um, it takes me generally couple hours to really marshal my arguments, well, then I'm really ready to go at it. So regularly, we're going to bed, and I'm, I'm finally ready to duke it out. She'll roll over and go to sleep, and I am livid. I'm on fire, because there's, in, in those moments, I know the scripture. I, I, you know, I was taught this from a kid. Don't go to bed angry. Oh, God. What am I supposed to do? I'm not suggesting that she's callous and cold and you know, refusing the truth. Invariably, God is not speaking about her in those moments. He's, he's challenging me. And he says, what are you going to do about this? You going to let this go? I don't want to. That whole thing of release and forgive, you know, if we can learn it with our spouses, we can probably do it with just about anyone. We're so personally invested in things and our own selfishness comes out so strong in those moments. But God will deal with whose heart when, when those situations come up. He deals with our own heart. You don't get the right to say, please wake her up and let me blast her. I'd swear she sleeps sounder on those nights. Because he's, he's addressing my heart in that moment. And he's, he's going at it and saying, I got some things for you. I'm going, I really don't want to hear it now. 
You know? It took me hours to get to this place. <laughs> yeah, well, you need to learn to drop it quicker. And you need to realize your own selfishness in this. And uh, you probably need to ask forgiveness when she does wake up. You know, and, and, and we walk through this, but these are the challenges that he's bringing to us and saying, you want a transformed life? You want the Spirit of God dwelling in you powerfully and changing you into holiness to be like Christ? Well, then you're going to have to deal with your anger issues. Well, let's just go on, because, I mean, that's no fun. If you're a thief, quit stealing. And again, you know, he's addressing Christians. Be honest and work hard so that you have something to give to people in need. Isn't that an interesting contrast? A thief tries to gather unto himself and take from others. And he's saying, if you work hard, you have an opportunity to give away something. Wait a minute. You're saying that if I work hard, I don't just keep it for myself and say, that's the effect of a disciplined and productive life. Look at my wealth. God has blessed me. He gave me the insight how to work hard, how to do this, and look what we've achieved. And Paul's going, well, actually, what an incredible potential that holds for you to give it away. <laughs> Why does it seem messed up when we read this, except that it reveals how depraved our hearts actually are and how much really does need to change? He goes on, stop all your dirty talk. Say the right thing at the right time and help others by what you say. So you can hone your skills in sarcasm and insult. You know, if you have a gift of speech, you can use that to jab and to hurt and destroy. Or... If you recognize that you have a gift in speech, what he's suggesting here is that you hone that gift to speak life into others. That you develop that verbal gift and use it so that others are built up. Saying the right thing at the right time, helping others by what you say. So, you know, when we're, when we're looking at this and we're going, you know, I, I got a good zinger, you know, to just, and, and you wait, you know, because you miss it the first time around, so you save it for the next time. And you just wait and just hoping somebody open the door so you can smack them. What if, what if you devoted your life to saying, you know, I missed a chance to speak life in this moment but I, I'm saving this one for the next time around. When I hear someone, you know, express this discouragement, I have a word of life to, to speak. I'm going to use that to invest in the kingdom. He goes on and says, don't make God's spirit sad 
The Spirit makes sure that someday you'll be free from all your sins. Now, I, the, the translation I grew up with, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, it's a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. But I like, I like this when I read it because it, it, uh, it's different enough that I'm having to go, okay. But the, one of the, the ideas that came across to me as I was looking at it is in, in not making the Spirit of God sad, um, he says that he's going to lead you into a way that, that you'll be free of your sins and I've tended to see that as the eternal, you know, that deposit guaranteeing the eternal. But the eternal starts in our lives now. And so in some ways what the Holy Spirit does is free us from our sins. So as we grow in Him and as He speaks into our lives, He moves us out of those sinful ways. So it has a, a present application as well as the future. I kind of like looking at that in, in this particular way. Someday you'll be free of your sins. The awareness that you have of those things that you're not doing well now, you still have opportunity to assume that he's going to take those out of your life and rid you of those things and free you of them. I've mentioned this numerous times, but it, there was a point where I thought, I'll get it all together sometime. You know, where I won't have to be dealing with sin. I won't have to be dealing with selfishness. I won't have to deal with personal greed and things like that. But what I've come to realize, there's a beauty about life where his voice is each day speaking is, I can lead you into better. I can, I can bring a, an area of restoration here, even though you've had this all these years. And so even at this stage of life, there's a certain joy that says, his Holy Spirit is continuing to transform me. And that every day I can anticipate him speaking something. What do you deal with? You know, when you're looking at this and saying, what does he want me to do? Take what's right in front of you. Take what's a, that awareness is there in the moment. When he's saying, you know, I can change this. Say, okay, let's work on this. I know there's plenty of other areas, but obviously this is what's on my mind. This is what he's brought. So this is the thing to deal with right now. And go after that one. He comes back into this and he says, stop being bitter, angry, and mad at others. It kind of, it kind of covers the whole spectrum, doesn't it? You know, don't have that ongoing burn, that slow burn of bitterness. Just uh, get rid of the anger and the madness that tends to be a part of our lives. Allow him to transform that. Don't yell at one another or curse each other or even be rude. Instead, be kind and merciful and forgive others, just as God forgave you because of Christ. I've had an intriguing picture in my mind often of recent times when I'm in prayer, uh, I've been, in a sense, having a, a visual of Christ and the cross. And I'm not putting a mysteriousness on it. It's just this comes to my thinking. And, I, you know, I, 
I do not know what Jesus looked like and if he had a you know, dark complexion or light or, you know. That's not what I'm talking about. But when I see that beaten body, so to speak, and, and, and the blood attached with all the, the crucifixion, I, there's a, an awareness that my sin is only forgiven by his graciousness, what he reached out and did for me. You know? and, and it's just like God's been bringing that awareness to me. But an intriguing connector the other day, when you read about foot washing in Scripture, there's kind of a, ugh, you know, because, you know, for that day and age, um, they didn't have asphalt or concrete or, you know, they, so there was, everything was dusty, and they were in sandals or barefoot, and so washing their feet, you know, was great relief and regular. But Jesus made this declaration, you know, you should be willing to humble yourself and wash the feet. And he did that for the disciples, and it, it brought real conflict in Peter's heart. where He's going, I, I should be washing your feet. You shouldn't be washing mine. But the humiliation and that kind of thing, and if you've ever participated in a foot washing service, it's to me, it's kind of goofy. I mean, <laughs> done it, but I, I don't like that feeling. You're very vulnerable. You know, it's like, I don't even know if I, you know, are my socks without holes? Are my shoes going to, you know, are my feet going to stink? You know, you go through all these whatever. And uh, I've been likening that to my relationship with the cross where unless I in a sense, humble myself and allow him to minister to me, you know, similar to a foot washing, I will never receive the fullness of life that he's intended. That he served us through the cross and the wounding that he took and the crucifixion. And he... You know, he was practicing foot washing on a grand scale that we all might be forgiven. And as personalized as an event like that is, really his death is a personalized thing for our lives as well. And unless we're willing to accept his humbling of himself and humiliation so that we can receive, we really don't have his salvation. We haven't stepped into that. So when, when he's telling, when Paul's writing and saying, be kind and merciful and forgiving, it's really only embracing what Christ himself had lived out and has done. And so what we are taking on is, is the character and temperament that says, I will reach out and be considerate of others. I will give to them even if they don't deserve it with the merciful. And furthermore, I will forgive them even when they've wronged me. We're, we're embracing what Christ has done and we're saying there's a fullness of light there and life for us. Even though to the unbeliever who, who is living for themselves and in selfishness, it doesn't make sense. 
And when we come to Christ, the selfishness that's still a part of our lives needs to be washed away so that Christ can be fully lived. We see this beautiful passage. It says, Be kind, merciful, and forgive others just as God forgave you because of Christ. What a wonderful thing that is. Lord, help us to walk in the fullness of all that you have. I pray in this moment that for each one of us there would be specifics that your Holy Spirit would speak to us of the transition that's available and possible for us. Give us a specific thing that you would like to see changed. And then give us the courage to step into that, I pray. Wash away our sins and evil habits. and Develop in us the character that you so richly deserve. The fullness of our salvation. When it says they'll know we are Christians by our love, how else is that going to come out except that our character has been transformed? And the selfishness of life that tends to be a part of all of us has been pushed aside for the greater good in Christ. That's the opportunity we have to step into, but it's not done just uh, without thought or without uh, investment. But what Christ offers us by His Spirit is to transform us from the inside out. Bring us into that transition, Lord, we pray. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what a transformed life looks like. May your Holy Spirit rest on each one. May they be responsive to your voice. As each one goes into the community, I pray that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I pray that their deeds will be fitting with the workings of your kingdom and that you enable them to carry out the supernatural. Be exalted and lifted up, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day.